Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. So on today's episode of the podcast, I have a special guest. Her name is Vicky Pears, and she's going to be introducing herself shortly. But Vicky paid off over $70,000 or over 50,000 pounds of debt. And I am really excited to have her here to share her story. So welcome to the podcast, Vicky. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me. Um, so let's just dive in. I'd love for you to tell everyone who you are and what you do. Okay. Um, so my name is Vicky Piers and um, I've got a couple of businesses. The main business is helping property investors to invest in Liverpool successfully. So we teach them um, about the city and about the area and how investment works here in our city. Um, but I'm also a full-time landlord and um, I've got a few of the businesses, just kinds of size hustles. <laughs> That's awesome. And you're now this successful woman. Um, but you didn't always start, you didn't start out that way, right? So <laughs> <laughs> not quite. No, not quite. <laughs> so let's kind of talk about that. And as I mentioned earlier, you paid off a considerable amount of debt. So I'd love for you to share what kind of debt did you have? What did you get into? How much did you owe? And <laughs> how did it all start? Um, okay, so um, basically it all started back in um, sixth form in when I was doing my A-levels. Um, I stayed on, I went to a private all-girls school. Um, Mum and dad didn't have any money at all. I, I got in on a scholarship. Um, so I was kind of the like the poor girl in the class, as it were. Many of my friends were quite well off. Um, and it really started when we were kind of in our late teens. This constant um, feeling like I needed to keep up with other people. So um, I used to have a variety of part time jobs, obviously, you know, got pocket money and things like that from family. Um, and I was always trying to spend my money on on things like clothes and makeup and things to try and fit in with some of the other girls. Um, and then when we got into sixth form and um, we were talking about, you know, going to university and we had all of these um, people come to kind of give advice about, you know, how university life works and, and what and that kind of thing and, and, and what to do about finances. And this guy came in to talk to us about um, why we should take a student loan. And I'd never really, you know, I didn't know anything about credit cards or loan or debt or anything up to this point. I'd always just had part-time jobs. Um, and this guy came in and basically explained that even if you didn't want to use the loan, you know, for living costs and things, because um, I was going to stay at home with mom and dad, I was going to Liverpool, 
um, university. And he basically says, even if you don't want to use this loan for living costs or things, what you can do is put it into a high interest savings account. Um, and basically, because the interest rates on loans were really quite low for student loans, um, you'd get this really high interest rate in the savings account and you'd basically make money from borrowing this money. Um, and it didn't quite work out like that. <laughs> what what turns it to happen instead was, wow. um, yeah, because, you know, at 18, you just can't handle large sums of money. So um, I didn't put it into a high interest savings account. I basically just started spending it to, to kind of you know, have a have a quite glamorous lifestyle for an 18 year old. Um, and that's where it all started, really, the slippy slope downhill into um, credit cards and store cards and overdrafts and, um, you know, all that kind of significant amount of debt um, all accumulated during the kind of three years that I was in university. And that basically amounted to that £50,000 plus amount. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it, it just, it got out of hand too quickly. So we were entitled to um, a student loan for our, you know, for our fees and things like that. But again, at the time when I was going to university, some of my fees were paid because of the type of course that I'd chosen to do. So um, you got like grants and bursaries and things for different qualifications. And so I was still entitled to the full amount on the loan. Mm-hmm. And then I was also allowed this maintenance loan. Um, and then everywhere you went, every kind of bank that you went into, they were literally just throwing money at you. They were giving you three grand overdrafts. They were um, sending credit cards, you know, through the post that you'd been pre-approved for. Store cards were so easy to get hold of. Um, and it just kind of snowballed massively over that, you know, that three year period. Wow. And, you know, I just to go back to what you said about being in high school um, or getting ready to do your A-levels and just the peer pressure because of the school that you went to, um, that must have been really difficult navigating that, especially when you didn't know a lot about money and then combining that with the meeting you went to and the guy telling you, put your loan into a high interest account, (laughs) giving you guys investment advice. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure he was qualified to give that kind of advice, but it sounded like it just sounded so easy. And exactly like you say, you know, at 18 years of age, when nobody's really given you no, even, you know, I, I mean, I did maths A level, so I'd like to think I understood <laughs> I understood numbers, but nobody actually talks to you about how finance works and you know the difference between good debt and bad debt and all, all that kind of stuff. And and I learned the hard way. And my mum and dad were always very much of the mindset that, you know, if you didn't have the money, you didn't have the things that you wanted. It was kind of if you work hard, you save up. And, and then you buy the things but as life kind of for an 18 year old that's quite difficult to kind of yeah. navigate exactly as you say with all your friends who've got new clothes and and one of my friends got a um, BMW car for her 18th birthday so you know you're constantly trying to keep up with that um with that lifestyle so yeah very very quickly just just shy of 50,000 pounds in in about three and a half years <laughs> well I can relate to in a way because going to college I was quote unquote the poorest girl <laughs> In my university, I went to a small college and I remember um, there was one uh, college apartment and there was a girl who lived across from me and she had a lime green Mercedes Benz convertible and the license plate had like a had like a, a thing around it, like a silver design thing. And on it, it said, Daddy bought it. Guess who got it? <laughs> Oh my so word. I feel your pain. <laughs> so I, oh. I, would, I would love for you to share. Okay, so now you have this $50,000 or 50,000 pounds. So let's say $70,000 yep. in debt. Yep. What was your 
I'm sick and tired. I'm done. This is enough. What was that moment for you? Um, so it was quite a long time after, to be honest, it was when um, my what was then my partner, who's now my husband, it was it was when my partner and I were trying to buy our first home together. So I kind of survived by juggling, um, you know, the debts from one credit card to another credit card and um, paying, you know, paying off what I could afford based on the salary that I earned at the time. Um, but then equally not having enough money left at the end of the month. So then having to borrow again. And it was when we when we tried to buy our first property together. So I was um, I think I was about 22, 23. And um, I think I was about 23. And we we were applying for the mortgage and you had to itemize every liability that you had, all of these debts. And there wasn't enough space on the page for me to write all of this stuff down. And it was it was just this kind of cold, hard truth just staring at me. And um, I quickly realised that I wasn't going to be accepted for a mortgage because of all of these liabilities that I had. And, and according to the criteria, I couldn't afford to live, um, you know, just to pay back the debts I had, never mind take on an additional mortgage um, payment. And that was the moment where I just thought this is affecting like my whole future, basically. This is ridiculous. It's got completely out of hand. And, you know, we need we need to try and look to do something about this now. So that was the kind of the shock, the wake up when it was written down in black and white in front of me. Wow. And were you guys able to make that purchase or did you wait? In the end, we did because, um, so we're going back to kind of 2000 and um, I think it was about 2004, it might have been. So at that time in the UK, we had, um, there was an awful lot of kind of money being given to people. So mortgages, you could take a 95% mortgage, you needed a very small loan as a deposit. Um, and from an affordability point of view, I, I missed the criteria by about £10,000. So my dad, very kind, I had to open up completely to my dad at this point. And I had to explain to my dad the situation because up until this point, I'd hidden it from him completely. It was like this big dirty secret I had. Um, and my dad very, very kindly, he didn't pay it off, absolutely didn't pay it off. But what he, he did do was he took out a credit card in his name. And he allowed me to transfer £10,000 balance onto that credit card. So I still needed to make the payments every month. Um, but he'd managed to get a 0% finance deal for however long. Um, and then that debt had been transitioned into his name. So on paper, I just about met the criteria with, with my boyfriend um, to be able to purchase the property. So so we did go ahead. But um, I don't think I saw the light of day for about two years <laughs> after we'd moved into that property. Wow. There was no nights out. There was no clothes. There was, you know, there was no kind of like lifestyle things at all. It was very much just about, um, you know, being able to own this home and, and starting to realise that, you know, we needed to grow up a little bit now because um, we'd had lots of fun and games, but it got us into, you know, mm-hmm. a big black hole. Yeah. And one of the things that you did mention um, prior to the podcast was another major catalyst that caused you to really take a good hard look at your finances, which was the loss of your dad. Yeah. Um, so how did you manage emotionally um, with your mom getting through that and just coming to the realization that this is a time to pay off this debt? Yeah. So um, basically what happened was, so I, I qualified as a teacher um, and I was I was quite well paid as a teacher. I progressed through the kind of different tiers and um, was on a, you know, a pretty good income for someone my age. And in um, 2012, I fell pregnant with my little girl. So um, in 2013, I gave birth to my daughter, Bella, back in um, in the May. And then 11 weeks later, my dad had a brain hemorrhage. So um, my dad went into hospital. 
So he had this brain hemorrhage. He has an operation um, and it looked quite successful, the operation. It, they, they said that, um, you know, he'd have some disabilities, but he, he'd kind of recover as best as he could. And it was just this kind of shock, really, because I'd been um, up until that point, like mum and dad were always the fallback. They were the people who, you know, they just looked after, you know, there's only me and my sister. They looked after us. They always got us out of trouble when we needed to. Um, and suddenly I was kind of this new mum, 11 week old baby. Dad was in hospital and my mum just absolutely fell apart. Um, and my plan had been initially I was going to take um, nine months off from work. And then when I returned to work, I was going to drop down to four days a week. And mum and dad were going to be childcare for me one day a week. And obviously that all completely changed massively. So um, again, after kind of, so just prior to that, I'd been um, surviving on maternity pay, which um, for teachers is pretty good for the first six months. And then it kind of falls down to absolutely nothing very, very quickly. So I'd, I'd managed to kind of squirrel away, a, you know, a, a few thousand pounds to as a rainy day kind of fund. And, and some of the um, credit cards had slowly been um, starting to pay off. And I was making a bit of a dent. I felt like I was getting somewhere. I was making a bit of a dent in these finances. And then all of a sudden, this kind of massive life changing thing happened. And my dad had always been um, my mum's kind of financial you know keeper as it were my mum had always worked but it was kind of like you know part-time jobs um you know it wasn't really a career as such and my dad growing up my dad has always been the guy who was you know writing out the checks you know paying all the utility bills that kind of thing mm-hmm. and suddenly he was you know it was impossible for him to continue to work and I just watched my mum crumble and this whole um twist kind of happened whereby I suddenly realized that she needed looking after rather than them looking after me all of a sudden so I had to step into this role of not only being a new mum but also kind of a mum to my mum as well um, and my dad was in hospital for 12 months and then sadly passed away the following summer so that yeah that was a quite a different um, future than anything I'd ever planned to see before. And I'm so sorry for your loss. I can't imagine you know navigating that with a new baby and supporting your mom Thank you. and all of that. So you're in this space where like, okay, you've started making progress, you're paying off your debt, uh, you start to whittle that amount down. What were some of the specific things that you were doing to pay off your debt? Um, What were things you were doing every day, every week, every month consistently to get to that point where you got that 50,000 pound balance to zero? So um, when I was going on to maternity leave, it, you know, the, the pregnancy was planned. So I very much knew how much I was entitled to on a maternity package and things. So I started to get a, a, a kind of a firmer hold of the, the finances by getting a lot of spreadsheets together. So I documented everything that I owed out to all the different um, credit cards, overdrafts, different places, the interest that was due on those payments, what the minimum payment was, all that kind of thing, just itemized absolutely everything. And then put a bit of a plan together to see how I was going to get myself through the nine months maternity to begin with. Um, In addition, whilst I was working as a teacher, I was also doing some freelance work. So I used to work for um, some exam boards doing assessments. So you get paid to mark GCSE papers and A-level papers and things. So during my maternity, I continued to do that as an additional kind of income. And it was quite flexible as well, being able to do from home. 
So I had to, I, I literally just couldn't spend a penny without having to put it into these spreadsheets. I had to document every penny that we spent. Um, and I and I was kind of taking control of the family finances as well, not just my own. So, you know, putting a budget together for how much you could spend on the, on the weekly food shopping and that kind of thing on petrol and, and stuff. And then just slowly trying to work out what was what was the thing that was going to have the biggest impact? So um, it was quite an eye opener for me to suddenly realise how kind of credit cards worked and and the different APR and the different credit cards. So one of them I noticed it was um, an American Express card. I think it was something like twenty seven percent APR, which was just crazy number. And yet some of the other cards were only around about fourteen or fifteen percent. So. I decided a kind of a plan of action. So which ones are we going to pay off first? The ones that are obviously costing the most to, to continue to run, the ones that were charging the most interest. So I was just chipping away at those, throwing every spare penny that I had at them, trying to do some additional work. So the freelance work, um, I basically just advertised everywhere I could. I was on LinkedIn, I was on Facebook, everywhere, just kind of offering my services as, as freelance um, and then I was also trying to set up a business, uh, kind of a side hustle. I, I thought I was going to go back into teaching, um, but I thought I needed something to kind of supplement that and something that would be quite flexible around having a little baby as well. So um, I tried to set up a business. So on top of everything else that was going on at that moment, wow. <laughs> it was just like, what else can we do to earn money? It became this kind of like, what else can we do to earn money? So um, to just backtrack a little bit, what had happened the um, property that we used to look, the, the first property that I mentioned before, the first property we bought, um, we had a crash in the UK. So we lost, um, there was a property crash and we lost 25% of the value of that property. Mm-hmm. So it was impossible for me to be able to sell that property. And obviously wanting to have a baby, it was it was only a one bedroom apartment. So wanting to have a baby, that wasn't going to work. So what we'd actually ended up doing was moving out of that property Um, moving back in with my mum and dad's at the time and um, renting that property out and our tenants were absolutely fantastic they um, they looked after us massively and on the back of that my husband was also working he had a full-time job and he was working um, kind of all the extra hours that he possibly could as well and between us we'd been able to figure out that property was something that you know was quite lucrative in in a lot of respects so in amongst all of this, we had this kind of small business where we were just buying properties quite cheaply, picking them up at auction and then um, doing some refurbishment and, and kind of flipping them on and making them, you know, um, nicer properties and selling them for a small profit. And we didn't make a huge ton of money doing that at all because we didn't really understand what we were doing. Um, but that's this kind of strategy that we'd figured out because we understood that, um, you know, despite everything that has happened with our first property, property seemed to be going up in value and um, and people were happy to pay for, you know, for good quality work. So my dad, my dad was a joiner by trade. Um, my husband's dad is, is a builder by trade. So we kind of had people to help us out. So if we kind of fast forward to um, 2013, when my dad had the brain hemorrhage, obviously he couldn't help us with that anymore. And and it was just like, we need to change the plan. We need to figure out what else to do. So we realised that actually selling properties and, and making a small chunk of cash was one thing, but to be able to um, buy a property and hold it and have rental income coming in on a consistent monthly basis was a totally different business model that we needed to investigate further. It was a way to kind of um, have more um, kind of more control, I guess, over the, over those finances. 
So, yeah, so I'd set up all these kinds of small um, little inroads into all of these different businesses, but wasn't really keeping any of it together very well. I was just I was just working um, 24 seven, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and my baby didn't sleep anyway, which probably was a good thing. <laughs> she was just awake 24 seven. Um, and I was up, you know, in the wee small hours of the morning kind of thing, just um, trying to do all these things on the Internet and, and on my phone and on my iPads and things. So um, by kind of 2014, when my dad passed away, we actually had managed to um, kind of save, uh, you know, a nice little chunk of money. And I didn't I didn't pay that off my debt straight away. I realized that if we invested that money, when I looked at the spreadsheets, if I invested that money and could create money out of that, um, then we could use the money we created to pay off the debts rather than just paying it off the debts directly, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So you were very strategic. And when you said spreadsheets, it made my heart sing because I'm a spreadsheet girl. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, you guys laid out everything you owed, you prioritize your debt. And that's, to me, the most important step step of setting the intention to become debt free. Um, Because you can be out and hustling and trying to make money and having money coming in. But if you don't have a plan to pay off that debt, if you're not intentional about that debt, that money finds ways to leave you as money does best. Yes. Yep. You can make (laughs) it extra. Yeah. You can make it so fast and you can lose it just as fast. Absolutely. Exactly. So for anyone listening, that's a gem, right? Was sitting, was Vicky sitting down and looking at all her debt, putting it, itemizing it into a spreadsheet, knowing the interest rates, knowing, you know, the American Express interest rate versus this other type of debt and determining what all her payments were and creating a plan from there and then going out to hustle. And I love that. Go ahead. (laughs) I was just going to say, and don't get me wrong, it was a really scary experience, you know, being kind of confronted by all of those numbers. It was quite sickening to look at and, and it would be very easy to kind of run away and just think, well, you know, maybe we should just ignore that for now you know, and, and kind yeah. of keep making payments. But it was, a re- it was, it was a really important, um, really important step. Sometimes you want to keep, keep the covers over your head because it's warm and cozy there. Yeah, but absolutely. at some point you're going to have to get out of bed <laughs> <laughs> and put your feet on the cold tiles and figure it out. And that's what you did. And, you know, yeah. a lot of people, they're trying to get out of debt. They want to pay off debt, but there's so much value in having a plan and being strategic just by simply prioritizing those debts on an on a spreadsheet by interest rates gives you insight as to what debt is costing you the most amount of money. So that as soon as you have that extra money to put on a debt, you know, which top priority that you want to put that money on so you can get ahead of that interest and start paying down your principal balance. I always tell people that when it comes to debt, it's not the principal balance that's keeping you stuck because if there was never any interest charge on that principal balance, even if you make the smallest payments, you will eventually pay it off at the same cost at which you borrowed it. The issue is interest and how it's compounding. Think of it like an automatic shovel just digging out a hole and you're trying to use a spoon to put the dirt back. And one of the things that I hadn't understood at the time was, you know, if like, because I was juggling the credit cards, I was moving them, you know, we'd have interest free for 12 months or something, and then you'd move it onto another one. And what I hadn't anticipated was if you then spent on the same card that you'd done a balance transfer onto, the way they applied the interest was in totally different ways to the balance you transferred compared mm-hmm. to the purchases. And none of that has ever kind of hit me until we printed all of those statements off, had all of those spreadsheets and kind of just sat and really, really analyzed them. And yeah, it was scary the way that compound interest works. 
Yes, yes. So, you know, a tip is lay it all out and then create a plan for that highest, the most expensive debt. Um, you can also choose to do it by smallest balance, but if you're trying to save the most amount of money and get ahead of that interest interest quickly, that's accumulating and compounding, um, I would definitely suggest prioritizing by the debt that's costing you the most, which is the debt that has the highest interest rate. Um, so Vicky, you guys laid this all out. You started hustling. You were working your job as a teacher. You were getting into real estate. Um, you're becoming a landlord. You're saving money. You're pursuing this. You know, you've paid off your debt. You're pursuing your financial goals. So let's kind of segue into now you start a business, right? And you did mention that you were a teacher and for your age and level, you were making a very good income. How did you decide to go about pursuing your own business versus pursuing your career as a well-paid teacher? Um, it, it was it was my dad. It was, it was that whole situation because I suddenly realized that actually, although obviously it's very important to earn a certain amount of money and to have this fantastic lifestyle, if you don't have the time to spend with the people that you love, it's actually mm. kind of meaningless. And so um, while I was off with, with my daughter, the, the whole experience of kind of trying to be there to support my mum, but also with this dark feeling that I had to go back to work full time and then I was going to have to do all this additional work as well and never actually see my mom with everything else that was going on that was that was the kind of instigator for me and I realized that if I didn't kind of make the leap now it was almost like the universe was kind of pushing me in this way it was like if you don't do this now what you know you're just going to carry on doing what you've always done and, and this doesn't feel good at the moment and because I'd been on maternity leave and I'd been on a very, very low income for, for a period of time from, from my teaching job, I realised that actually I can, you know, I can have survive um, on a lot less money than I would like to have. <laughs> you know, everyone's got like a, a want to have money, you know, a need to have and a want to have money. And, and there were certain things of the lifestyle that I thought maybe we'll need to cut back. Maybe we don't go on holiday. Maybe we don't, you know, maybe I um, change my car and that kind of thing. But it was very much about having that flexibility that was more important to me at that moment to have time to spend with family and, and loved ones rather than kind of being in that nine to five, you know, um, grind. And it was a massive step to kind of go from a very secure job that I'd had, um, you know, and, and it was it was easy. You'd been doing it for so long. It felt so easy. This money just came in every month. But I also realised that actually um, I'd... I kind of had taken it for granted a lot of the time. So I was getting to the end of the month and there was no money left. You know, we'd have a couple of days where I was waiting for that paycheck to kind of drop in. And I just thought maybe having a business, um, it, you know, it's definitely going to be hard, but it can't really be any much harder than this because, um, you know, there's periods of time when I couldn't get petrol in the car. <laughs> I had mm. to wait three or four days before the paycheck landed before I could fill the car up again. So, um, it, it was kind of a transition pushed by a, a need to kind of be around family, but also thinking that things couldn't really get any worse, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, what you said at the beginning is just so impactful. It doesn't matter how much money you're making. If you don't, if you don't have time to spend with the people that you love, then it's meaningless, right? Absolutely. Um, and that is, that's really what money is about. It's about being able to create options for yourself so that you can do the things that you like, so that you can spend time with the people 
that are important to you. And um, sometimes you have to make sacrifices in order to get to that point. But I, I yeah. love the way that you were thinking about it when you were thinking about, okay, do I start this business? Do I, because your, your career path as a teacher was safe, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you're trying to pay off your debt and also trying to save money and build wealth, having a daughter, knowing that, okay, I, I just don't want to be a teacher. If I have these big goals, I have to do other things, but then those other things are going to take so much of my time. How do I create this balance of yeah. pursuing financial goals, but also still living life um, in a way that's meaningful to me or to you? And I just love the way that you, you, you were thinking through it. It was a lot of it was to do with kind of the background, like the way my mom and dad had brought me up. My dad was always a hustler. He was, you know, he had a full time job. He used to work all the hours God sends in overtime and things. And my dad, when when he had his brain hemorrhage, he was actually 73 years of age and he was still working full time. Mm -hmm. And it just hit me that I was thinking, you know, my dad worked till the day he dropped quite literally. And we we work so hard for this, you know, retirement that's in the future to, you know, to kind of retire at 68, 69 years of age to maybe enjoy 10 years of our life or something like that it just the balance just felt all wrong and and I knew that as soon as my dad passed away it was a case of well you know my mum's going to pass away in the future we don't know when that's going to be and I could work incredibly hard for the next 10 15 20 years and never see her and then when she's gone we can kind of you know feel feel great resentment to whatever it is that we were spending our time doing for those 10 or 20 years or we could kind of find some kind of balance now and I think work-life balance is a very difficult concept. I think um, we like to think we can get balance, but it's it's very very hard. Um, yes, it's it's incredible hard, incredibly hard, and I can tell you firsthand. And I think you know balance is a myth. You just have to choose. Yeah. You have to choose, and I have to make a choice every day. What's what's most important today? What do I need to prioritize today? You know and my kids, my family, you know, like yep. you have to make a choice. I don't think it's possible to balance the two because there's always going to be, especially when you have a family, um, there's also going to be, there's always going to be demand pulling at you from both sides, right? And you're yep. only the one person. And yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so, so you start the business and of course, with every business comes the beautiful fact of inconsistent income. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you talked about waiting for your paycheck that you knew was going to come so you could put gas in your car, but you left that consistent paycheck, even though you were living paycheck to paycheck at some yep. point. Um, and you decided to go into business and have an inconsistent income. So how did you navigate your fears around that inconsistent income initially before your business grew to what it what it is today so um so I didn't you know I didn't make this leap of faith and kind of cut all my losses at all I I did it as a more of a transition period so um I actually after um after my dad was in hospital for a period of time and, and my little girl was a little bit older, I did return to teaching. I did go back to work. Um, but I'd managed to convince my boss that three days a week was, you know, was a good fit for us both. Um, so I didn't kind of just quit my job and start a business and everything was rosy at all. It was a very much a slow kind of transition. So I still had some income coming in from my full-time job. Um, and then I was kind of building the business slowly. So 
every addition, I, I kind of worked out what the minimum amount was that I needed to kind of pay my bills and just kind of survive. And then any additional income that I had, I just kept putting away into a savings account because that was going to be, I needed to build up, I thought, six months worth of um, you know, enough money to basically cover six months worth of bills. So I just wanted to keep putting this extra um, little bit of income into a savings account. So it didn't actually take that long. Um, I went back to work in the, I think it was the September and um, following the summer holidays. And then by the December, I had enough um, to cover six months worth of bills. And I went, <laughs> I went back into work this one day and I just had enough. I can't remember what happened that day, but I just remember my heart wasn't in it anyway. Um, and I just had enough and I just gave my um, letter of resignation in. So I quit in the December and I had six months worth of bills in the bank. I also had some work lined up um, because of the type of um, freelance work that I could do working for the assessment boards that are windows of opportunity to do that work. So um, they have assessments in January and then in um, kind of April through June. And then there's another window in October. So I had this work kind of scheduled in and I knew um, after doing it for a number of years, you know, the kind of money that would generate for me. And then it was a case of in those gaps in between, just work your bloody ass off. <laughs> it, was, it was like just if you need to do 18 hour days, then you're just going to have to do these 18 hour days. And um, it was incredibly scary, of course. Yeah, that roller coaster. Um, but in a weird way, it, because it took you out of your comfort zone, you just almost stepped up a gear. I think in our day job, we can get very comfortable um, and we kind of, you know, we accept that we get, a, you know, we get a wage and we do a certain amount of work. When you're working for yourself, there's this kind of deeper um, motivation or there's this thing that kind of just spurs you on when you don't think you've got any any energy left. There's always another hour in the tank of, you know, kind of sitting and hustling that bit harder. Um, so I had, a, you know, I did have some backup. And let's let's remember as well, I was very fortunate to have a partner who, um, you know, still had a full time wage and things like that. So he kind of, you know, I was never going to lose the house around me um, because I had his his backup and support. But it was about making that money for myself as well and proving something, I think, as well. And, um, you know, proving that I could do this. And I think to this day, my husband still says to me, like, I don't really know what you do. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> and some days he's like, are you okay? Like, are you in loads of death? I'm like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> it's, I think he thinks in his world, you know, hard work is like manual, like going out of the house and going to work yeah. every day. And, and he just sees me on a computer and on my phone and on my iPad and it looks a little bit too easy perhaps. Um, but it's not, it's a lot of, you know, it, it's taken a long time to get where we are. We, we set the business up kind of officially in 2016. That's when it really started to take off. So, you know, it was three years of kind of, um, you know, working till two and three o'clock in the morning and, and things. I love that you, you transition slowly into it. And of course it helps when you have an additional income in your household. And I think that that's the per best time knowing that you have an additional income, yeah. um, to take a chance, right? Um, obviously, yeah. you lose one consistent income, but it's not a complete super risk. <laughs> yeah. um, it's kind of easier to navigate knowing that, okay, if things get really tight, we know that this one check is still going to come in consistently. Yeah. So that's yeah. definitely very, very helpful. And today, like you said, you are a property investor, you're a landlord, landlady. <laughs> yeah. You've paid off your debts. Um, yeah. Looking back at your whole journey and just everything you've been through, what would you say has been your biggest lesson from the whole experience? 
Um, I think a lot of a lot of it comes down to um, like mindset and and having kind of a strong belief in your own ability to do these things because I think many of us like the idea of paying off our debts or like the idea of having a business but don't really commit to it fully um, and a lot of that I believe comes from a lack of um, a lack of self confidence a lack of self esteem this maybe this thought process that you're just you know that you're not cut out for this or something like that. And a lot of the um, kinds of education and things that I've done over the last couple of years has been around personal development and um, kind of stepping out of that, you know, always doing like that attitude of, you know, always do things the way you've always done them. That that kind of comfort zone doesn't serve us a lot of the time. And sometimes we have to take a leap of leap of faith. And and then when it pays off, it gives you the confidence to kind of take the next step and the next step. And it's just it's a case of always moving forward because, you know, in all the years I've been doing this now, you know, I, I, I quit my job kind of, when was that? 2014. So seven years ago, there's still days when I think maybe I should just go back to having a full-time job. <laughs> like Maybe I should just go back to that safe kind of environment. It's easier, you know, things, but, you know, we all have these kinds of little gremlins that sit with us sometimes, but we've got to keep keep taking those steps forward and keep kind of um moving on and I think a lot of that starts in our in our minds our mindset's got to be right before we can um kind of feel confident enough to do those things I agree we we have to get our heads in the game to step yeah. out of our comfort zone because when it comes to saving paying off debt building a business it is incredibly uncomfortable changing your life changing your career doing something different from what you normally do it's yeah. uncomfortable it can be scary heart palpitations <laughs> <laughs> yeah not sleeping no. it's a lot so um yeah so if there's someone who's listening to this podcast who is where you started they have a lot of debt yeah. um you know and they're trying to create a plan they're they're trying to get to the point where they're effectively paying off their debt. What advice would you give that person who's starting where you did? Um, I think the first thing we need to do is be really clear that um, you need a plan. You need to have some focus and a plan because um, when I first started not having um, any focus, I was I was kind of chasing ways to make money. And, and in hindsight tells me that that's not what we do. We need to find something, like we said before, that balance, something that we enjoy doing, that we can create income from. Um, and what that allowed me to do once I figured out what that was, instead of sitting there watching Netflix, you know, um, like playing on social media all the time, in those spare hours, those hours were then dedicated to the business. So I had certain time periods that were marked out that was, this is business, this is strategy, this is, you know, creation of content, all the different things that we needed to do. And I, I, set it up on my calendar it was very much about um you know this is kind of like the day job time you know school time not half eight till three um and then I come home and then I had a certain amount of hours to dedicate to the business and having that structure and that focus and that determination and all over my room I've still got them now there's little post-it notes with reminders of things to do with finances so it might be um, you know how much you know what what debt you want to pay off first how much how big a dent you can make in that in that debt in this month I've got things dotted around at the moment about um, you know profit that we're trying to make on certain projects and things like that so it was just about having that strategy and that focus because it can be very overwhelming to try to do everything all at once mm -hmm. and all I set out to do in the first place was it was like let's chunk it down into small chunks 
how do we kind of pay off this first debt? What do we need to do to grow you know, a business to a certain size to create a certain amount of money to be able to pay those debts off? And it did. It started from just, you know, maybe three hours each evening um, sitting in front of the computer trying to trying to create stuff. And then it grew from there. And like like we said before, then it, it allowed me to do the transition. It was a case of it was no longer three day, three hours a day. It was, you know, two days a week, two full days a week. And, and it kind of built on from there. So having a plan. Yes, that is so important. Having a plan, working the plan and someone may be like, oh, my God, three hours an evening. It is totally possible. Right. It's absolutely it's just planning your schedule accordingly, you know, and being mindful of how you're spending your time, which is a finite resource. Like it's so easy for us to spend three hours watching TV. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or three hours talking on the phone or some people three hours on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Instagram, it's it's a it's a rabbit hole. Instagram. Or on YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. Yeah. Oh, you spent three hours. So it's um, it's funny you should say that, actually, because um, since I started the business, I, I like I hardly ever watch TV and a lot of my friends who are still teachers you know we're, we're in like WhatsApp groups together and they're talking about something they've seen on TV and I'm just like no haven't seen that haven't seen that and they're like what do you do in all your spare time I'm like, as a business owner <laughs> yeah. make your own schedule you have your time <laughs> and it's just it's crazy because I think it's just about what what is your priority because exactly like you say you know you could easily spend three hours four hours watching Netflix most most evenings um, so to sit in front of a computer and create content for for your social media brand or, or or you know your business is is far better use of your time, but again it comes back to having the right mindset I think. Yes, yes. Well, Vicky, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story and your journey with us. And I wish you a ton of success. Um, by the way, before I let you go, you have to tell everyone what your super, your clever girl superpower is. Oh, my superpower. Oh, I can talk for England. <laughs> that's my superpower. <laughs> well, that's good for the podcast, right? Because <laughs> you absolutely. share the ton of gems. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. You. Well, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, You can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.